there's a new reality show being pitched that's basically sounds like Shark Tank for writers where you pitch your book and then you can make some money, except like where Shark Tank, it's like talking about getting hundreds of thousands of dollars for a billion dollar brand in this. They're like, the grand prize is 20 grand. That'll tell you all you need to know about money and writing. Well, no, it probably won't. So I guess we'll just jump right into the big hairy money question in writing. <laughs> six figures a month from your writing. Now I wish I was making that shit up. Um, but I'm not. That's a real article that I saw right before recording this pod. The money thing with writers is a big deal. I mean, the money thing with any artist is a big deal. It's a really big, hairy issue. It's one we don't love to talk about because it's not particularly fucking inspiring. Um... It's one that we all worry about because deep down every writer kind of has this dream where they make their living and they do their day by sitting down at the computer and writing the novel and then they get paid millions of dollars for the novel and they can relax and, and sip sweet tea and then write the next novel, you know, if that's your thing. That rarely, if ever, happens. Um, it, the large amount of that money also very rarely comes from book sales. It comes from, like, movie deals and shit. Um... But it can happen. But the problem, what makes the big hairy money question the big hairy money question, is that we get caught up on this idea because there's a very popular con grift bullshit game. You heard me, so if you disagree, you can go ahead and turn it off, save yourself 20 minutes now. Con grift bullshit game in the writing community to sell writers writing coaching and online courses and ebooks and seminars from writers who are effectively doing the exact same shit you are. They're just better and less ethical at misrepresenting themselves. So they can go out there and say, hey, yes, I make a bunch of money. I'm never going to be able to prove that to you, but you can't disprove it. So here we go. Pay me a bunch of money. Um, and for young writers, this is really bad, but this gets older writers too. This gets everybody. Everybody confronts this. I confront this shit on a daily basis, and I've been doing this for over 20 years. Right? Like, it's just out there. It didn't used to be so bad because there didn't used to be an internet. When I first started, the internet was kind of a thing, but you didn't have social media. You couldn't market the way that you can now. Blogs were there. No one really gave a shit unless you were important. So, like, now, though, anybody has a voice and anybody can sell anything. And there are platforms to facilitate the sale of online courses and things like that. So, if you have enough bullshit in you, you can get it out there for some money. And it bothers me. Right? Like, so, to get an idea of how much this bothers me, today was supposed to be a different episode, but I can't get past this big, hairy money question because it keeps firing up in questions from people that listen to me and read stuff I write, and it keeps firing up in my feeds constantly. So, I felt like I really needed to dive into this one because the other topic would just be distracted from. Honestly, I'd be thinking about this. So, I want to talk about this great, big, hairy money issue. And, and I want to talk about it in a couple ways. 
I want to talk about the practicality of making money as a writer. Um, and, and when I say the practicality, I mean the business practicality. You know, when you talk about businesses, you have this thing called a feasibility study. And a feasibility study is basically you just look at your business and see if it could happen. It's the thing a whole lot of Shark Tank pitches would benefit from doing. Because um, while some of them are very good, some of them are just like, you can't even do that. It would be impossible to scale because no one ever bothered to sit down and do like a half-assed feasibility study. So we're going to talk about it in that context, right? So we're going to talk about the idea of making a living as a writer. We're going to talk about the reality of earning money for writing in fields like copywriting and marketing and content creation. Um, and then I want to hit and, and wrap it up with the philosophical take on writing and money. You know, so if you now know how the pod's going to last, how it's going to lay out. If, if you don't like this, then turn off and, and do something else with your time, please. But otherwise, let's dive in. So let's talk about the feasibility. The feasibility of making money as a writer, which sounds awesome. And it sounds great. And everyone can point to one. Every writer I know who thinks they're going to make a bunch of money can point to Stephen King, or they can point to James Patterson, or they can point to J.K. Rowling, and they can go, look, people make money from their writing. Yep, there are novelists who make money. Uh, you can point to screenwriters and playwrights like Tony Kushner and David Mamet and go, people make money from writing. Yep, they do. Um, poets, it's a little harder. It is. It's a little harder to point to poets that make money. Sorry, poets. I love y'all. I am one of you. And yet, um, it is harder to try to make a living as a poet. Um, journalists, essay writers, you know. Dave Sedaris writes essays, Matt. He makes a living as a writer. Yeah. He does. Everyone's got one, right? So for perspective on the feasibility of this, I want you to remember that take that one and then think about how many people you've seen in a cafe working on a laptop on what might be their novel or how many blogs you see uh, sent to you in social media or how many accounts there are on platforms like Medium or Simile or Newsbreak. Um, I want you to take that and think about that for a minute. Just let that let that filter in for a second. How many accounts? And now think about how many writers who make a shitload of money writing that you can really name. Right? It's it's kind of a dire percentage. It is. I mean, look, selling twenty thousand copies of a book is doing pretty damn good. It is. Talk to people in the publishing industry. You publish a book and sell twenty thousand copies. You did pretty well. That puts it in perspective, huh? I mean, you can, but a large amount of writers, the ones that do make a living, let's just talk about the like maybe 10% that are able to make a living at it. Uh, they write a book, get paid for the book, and then immediately go to work on the next book because they need to get the next book so they can get the next bit of money so they can live on that for a while while they write the next book, right? It's a book-to-book process. It's a business. In the case of the highest paid writer, I think he's still the highest paid writer, James Patterson. This is why if you've ever looked at a Patterson book, and I have, there are a few standouts. There are a couple that are really good. And there is a lot of repetitive, formulaic bullshit. You know why? Because the man has to publish 10 books a year. You know? I think also, like, he has a typist. Like, he writes stuff by hand and then sends it to a typist and someone else does his typing and he dictates shit. Like, he's, he's, a, he's a weird guy. I've known people who've talked to James Patterson before. And his writing process is, is very reflective of a guy who makes lots of money. Um, 
you, on the other hand, are going to have to do other shit. So it's, it, it's fine, but I want you to think about how feasible that is for you. Right? How possible is that? And this is just me talking right now to just the creative writing folks, even the journalists and the essay writers, right? Like the reality of success is writing is, is frankly, it's a large part pure dumb luck. Like we assign things genius in retrospect, right? We look back on things and go, that was brilliant. Oh my God, that was genius. But that's always someone, not us, and someone looking back on it. Right, so at, at the risk of tipping, of kicking the fucking hornet's nest, because I know J.K. Rowling has opened her mouth on just ignorant, stupid opinions, and I don't know, I'm not even going to dive into the politics of it. You all, if you've listened to me enough, you know what my politics on this are. But I do want to talk about it because she is the example when people go, well, look, you could strike it big. J.K. Rowling wrote Harry Potter, and she made it huge. And it is just dumb luck out the yin-yang, guys. It really is. It really is. Don't believe me? Great. Go back at the time and look at how much in the market dem- in market demand that book was. Find out. Go before Harry Potter was released. Find out before that first book came out and go take a look. Also take a look at the success of young adult books at the time translating, because it was not even really a full genre. There were just a couple books that fell into this amorphous blob of teen young adult things. Take those books and figure out how many kids' books, because they were all basically kids' books at the time. Uh, in the 90s when this happened. Take the number of kids' books from then that transitioned and made the jump to being read by lots of adults. Go ahead. You can do it on one hand. Right? It was luck. Look, I don't want to take anything away from her writing. She wrote a book. It did well. She wrote a book she wanted to write. It did well. There was no market research. There was nothing she could have done. She did not know. I don't care what she says. There's no way she knew it was going to hit that big. Nobody with that kind of success does. See, if you if you doubt me, go talk to Stephen King about Carrie, and he'll be like, I didn't know it was going to make that much money. There you go. He knew he liked writing it. He knew it was a good story. He didn't know it was going to make that much money. So any writer who's telling you, like James Patterson, yeah, I know it was going to do really well, liar. J.K. Rowling, yes, I knew the world was ready for Harry Potter, liar. Right, like you wrote a story, you thought it was good, you put it out, but then dumb luck happened. So what's the point of all this, Matt? Matt, what's the point? Well, the point is that a large part of the feasibility of making money as a creative writer, we're just in the creative writing part here. As a creative writer, the feasibility is based largely on luck. Now, there are things you can do to help luck, like actually writing a fucking novel, um, putting short stories out there, doing things. Those will help your luck along. Um, And there are also like moderations of, of the term success, Right? What do you consider success? See, I've always said I would be successful as a novelist if I just made a living writing novels. I didn't say became wealthy. I said made a living. Not, you know, became independently wealthy, not James Patterson, not Stephen King, but just made a living writing novels. That would be successful. And that's a really broad swath and probably much more doable. And yet, still dependent on luck. So you can work, you can put stuff out there, you can get in front of people, you can do what you have to do, but luck is a huge factor. The feasibility of making money as a creative writer is just so hinged upon this idea of luck that all these people telling you, I will show you how to make millions from your fiction writing, well, there aren't that many people that do that. So unless you're one of them or directly related to them, and I doubt it because why the hell do you then have time to sit down and pitch your shit to me for a hundred bucks? 
you don't know. And even the ones who do know will tell you, if they're being honest, that luck has a lot to do with it. Or, like James Patterson, you hit your lucky break, and it happens. Like, Stephen King is interesting because his books, and I'm a mixed fan of Stephen King's. I think he has some brilliant genius work, and I think he has some garbage, and I 100% don't believe the man can stick a landing to save his life. Sorry, Stephen, I admire the hell out of you, and you do have one of my favorite books on writing ever, but, um, yeah, you can't stick a fiction landing for shit. I'll, I'll say it. You know, otherwise I enjoy reading your books to no end. It was a fantastic read until the end. Um, I, I'll, I'll admit it to my dying day. And Stephen King fans who disagree with me, be f- feel free. Just, I'm not the authority on this stuff. Like, this is just an opinion. But guess what? Stephen King tries different shit. But guess what James Patterson does? He repeats the same shit. He repeats it over and over. And then occasionally he decides to write like a book with like Dolly Parton or something for name recognition. And it's it's still kind of reminiscent of everything else he writes. It's formulaic. It hits the mark. And that's it. It's production writing at its finest. And he makes a living at it. Can you do that as a literary fiction writer? Probably not. Um, you'd have to change the stories too much between books. Can you make it as a pulp writer? Fuck yeah, you can. But you got to get lucky. And you got to get lucky. You got to make that break. So that's the feasibility part of making money as a writer. It's super dependent on luck. I mean, most fortunes are, but let's be honest. Creative writing and art in general, holy shit, luck is a factor. You can be born before your time. You can write and publish stuff now, die, and then in 50 years, you're like, Jesus, Matt Hampton was a genius. Like, shit, doesn't do me any good 50 years after I'm dead, but thanks. Right? That's it. So let's look at, at the area you can make money, because this is a big part, too. Is Are you an aspiring novelist? Are you a poet or a playwright or a screenwriter who's just not making the cash? Right? Well, why don't you come work in marketing? Marketing's a way you can be a creative professional and make a bunch of money, and you'll be awesome. Look, I'm a copywriter. I, I enjoy my job as a copywriter. Uh, my work as a copywriter has very, has, has very little in common with my work as a creative writer. It's true. Copy is very different. Um, and, and this is maybe my biggest pet peeve with this writing grift is like, it's so easy to be a copywriter. You can put a paragraph together. You can be a copywriter. Um, oh, how do the French say this is bullshit? Um, it is. It's bullshit. Like, look, copywriting is a very distinct science. It's a lot about human motivation and where eyes fall on the page and how SEO actually works as opposed to like, just put some keywords in there. It'll be fine. It's like, you ever have that friend who's like an amateur chef and they make something that tastes like a salt lick? They're like, yeah, you just put salt in it. It's great. You know, the food always comes out. It looks like a mutated version of the thing that Gordon Ramsay put on the show you were watching. It's like, I make a beef Wellington and then like Chernobyl's beef Wellington and marches out like under its own power, like it has legs and shit. Like that's, that's the same thing, right? Like just throw some keywords in there and be fine. Give them the keywords, just some keywords, bam, SEO. It's just a little salt. Stop. Right. Copywriting is tough. Like good copywriting is actually pretty tough. It's, it's, it is harder for me to do good copywriting than to do my creative writing work. It really is because I have to be much more analytical and much more thoughtful uh, I have to do a lot of research. I have to look at competitors and trends and forces in the industry for which I'm doing the writing. Um, I have to know the person I'm writing for and try to emulate their voice or their brand's voice, which sounds super easy, but it's remarkably difficult. 
I have to know what the call to action is and write in an appropriate way to motivate the person to take the call to action. I have to know how to how copy looks on a website or in a printed material. Like there's so much going into it. Who's my audience? And you're writing for very diverse audiences in very different ways. Like there's a lot that goes into it. Um, there's there's all kinds of stuff, and you could make a study just of being a copywriter. Copywriting's tough. Also, as of this morning when I did some research, there are somewhere in the neighborhood, depending on the source you go to, between like eight and 10,000 freelance copywriters in the United States. Yeah, just in the United States. Like, go beyond that and you can make that figure bigger. That's a big market. And in big markets like that, what you see a lot is a race to the bottom. People trying to undercut each other's prices. I see it a lot because I end up getting clients who come to me and are kind of unhappy about my bill, but would have been happier if they'd come to me first because they're bringing me someone's crap to fix. Um, like I said, like there's just a bunch out there. It's hard to stand out. It's hard to distinguish. Everyone knows SEO. Whether they know it or not, everyone's like, I know SEO. He's that guy who gets the sandwich at the deli on Thursdays. Like everyone knows it. Everyone knows all this stuff. You can make a fortune as a copywriter. Yeah, I mean, you can make a living. Remember, it's not just freelancers out there either. There are full-blown digital marketing agencies. There are branding agencies. There are creative groups. Shit, there are AI writing assistants now. Like, there is so much competition in the field of copywriting that it is it is much harder than people make it out to be to be like, I make a six-figure writing income every month. Like, I doubt it. And if you did, why are you trying to sell me an online course as to how I can do it too? Because I'm going to tell you, I don't make anywhere near a six-figure writing income in copywriting. And in a busy month where I don't, again, in a busy month where I still don't make six figures, a busy month where I might be lucky to make five. Um, and that's a busy month. That's a lot of shit going on. That's a lot of client communication. That's a lot of talk. That's a lot of research. That's a lot of work on those months, those months. I'm busy as hell. I can't imagine what it would be for six figures. And spare me, because I know where this argument comes from, from the people that sell these courses. It's, well, I'm just more efficient than you. Liar. Uh, <laughs> like, just, it's not me. It's the clients, guys. That's the point, though, right? You have to deal with clients. You have to run a business. Copywriting is a business. Can you make money at it? Yes, it's a business. Same thing goes. See, we're, we're moving right along. Let's move right along into that multi-channel content creation business, Right? Oh, well, you know, I know bloggers who make money, Matt. Right. But it's a business, right? It's a business. So like Tim Dinning, I think, is the biggest writer on Medium or one of them. I don't know. I don't keep track of this shit. I just know he has hundreds of thousands of people that read him. Um, and he has a YouTube channel and a bunch of other stuff. He has a lot of different, as they say, income streams. So it's impossible to tell which one is his biggest income stream. I mean, writing certainly a part of it. Might even make him some money, but I, I somehow doubt his medium writing makes him more money than his YouTube channel does. I mean, guys, YouTube channels with like a million subscribers and consistent views of video make huge money. Do you know why? Because there's a good digital marketing reason for this. It's because there's a shitload of ad money paid. Right? There's not a lot of ad money paid on Medium. There's a ton of ad money paid on YouTube. Like, tons. And that's how YouTube creators make their living. You monetize your channel so you can get access to that ad revenue. 
Look, there's nothing wrong with that. But again, I think the problem is when we talk about creative writing, it's hugely a matter of luck and hitting at the right time. When we talk about copywriting and marketing, these aren't side gigs where you're like, yeah, I'll work on my novel and then occasionally pop down the road, write a quick bit of copy, collect a $10,000 check and come home. Like it's a business. You have to market to people. You have to talk to people. You have to get out there and do sales. You have to do all this shit. It's a business. Content creation, multi-channel content creation. It's not a business that I am super in. I mean, I have a podcast and I write some blog stuff, but it's a very focused thing. But these folks that do this, it's a business and it has to be run like one. It needs schedules and consistency and all kinds of stuff and more power to them. It's hard work. Shit, I do this little podcast for no money and it's work. Right? Imagine if you're like, I don't know, like Tim Ferriss or Joe Rogan or one of these podcasting giants. Like, it's a lot more work. So this idea that there's easy money to be made, because how hard can it be to talk into a microphone or how hard can it be to write a blog and then bam, the money just appears is bullshit. Like, these are businesses, right? And the reason it's important to talk about that is because this is what sucks writers down a hole. Look, if you want to write a novel, but you don't want to write copy for companies, you don't want to write ads, basically, or marketing copy for websites, don't be a copywriter. What else do you like to do? You know, well, Matt, I, uh, I really love being a teacher. Great. Teach and work on your novel in your spare time. Awesome. The world could use more good teachers. Matt, I like mowing lawns. Great, go mow lawns. I hate mowing lawns. Someone needs you to mow their lawn. Uh, Matt, I, I'm really, you know, I really enjoy, you know, working with my hands and cabinet making or carpentry or whatever. Go get that job. Matt, I love being an accountant. Okay, I don't get it. But go do that job, right? Like the idea that you have to make money from writing as a writer is, is amateurish, asinine bullshit. You don't. If you really just want to write a novel and you want to write the novel that you love, then get out there and do the thing that will pay your bills and work on it in your free time. Make the novel your side hustle. Don't make the novel like your main job and then decide you'll knock off some half-assed copy as a side hustle. Because I promise you, you'll be one of many writers I hear from who are losing their minds because they're not making money. Happens. And this transitions us to the finale that we've been building up. We've talked about creative and commercial business and stuff. Now let's get to the reality. The reality of the great big hairy money question is that it's a philosophical question. Should the money and the writing matter? So I'm going to give you my take on it. There are a lot of takes on it. Feel free to have a different one. Use this if it works. Money tends to fuck up art. It does. Writing art, creating art, making music that is art for money tends to fuck it up. Right? We all joke about, like, corporate rock, which is very clearly, like, market researched in a room and put out, and we forget about it. Like, think about it. From from just the last 10 years, name me the big corporate rock songs that stuck in your head. Because I know they've come out, and I can't remember fucking any of them. Not a one. But I can remember every lyric to every Ramones song ever. Right? Because the Ramones just caught in my ear, right? They just did their thing. I mean, they made some money. They've The ads are... They're, songs are now playing on ads and shit. That's great for them, the ones that are alive. 
but you know what I'm saying? Like there's, there's a difference. Like when you add money to the equation, when you write for money, when you say, I am going to write a novel, like this is the problem with the fucking young adult industry right now. The young adult book industry is so formulaic. I know this. I have a friend who writes in the young adult genre. They shall remain nameless for their own protection and distance of association from me. Their writing is so formulaic. Like, that's the industry. That's not even them going, hey, I'm going to do this like Patterson does it so I can just, you know, get 20 books out in a year. That's the industry. If you don't have the love interest interaction by page five or this or that or the other, they won't read your fucking book. The young adult industry has become so stocked that walk through the young adult book section in a bookstore and realize that it's hard to tell which book is which. I used to work at shelving books in a big box bookstore. And I'm telling you, shelving in the young adult section, I forgot who was who and which writer was a writer. And if a customer came up to me, I was like, hey, do you have book ABC by author DEF? I couldn't remember if DEF was DEF or was it HIJ. I had no idea. And no idea. The books have become so similar because the the marketing formula has become standard. And so some adult, young adult books are great, and a lot of them are just crap. Because money, when you write with money in mind, when you write with market in mind, outside of things like copywriting and all where the market is the fucking point, if you're writing something you consider art, and you get the money involved in it, you just fuck it up. I knew a guy once who was trying to write his version. I'm not kidding. His version of quote-unquote Game of Thrones. Because Game of Thrones had become a big show at the time and was huge. And the sad part is he wasn't the only one I'd met who said that. Right? Like, genres stagnate. I love science fiction and fantasy. But science fiction and fantasy have huge problems of just loads of crap. Just garbage books. Go to self-published fantasy and sci-fi sections in, like, e-book stores. Right, just go to the self-published, self-produced ebooks, and it is it is wonderful. It's like going through a garage sale, really, because there is a mountain of crap. There, there's a mountain of garbage that is just rehashed, regurgitated, reapproached plots that were done better before these poor people ever decided to desecrate them. And then there's occasionally a gem where you're like, oh god, that was really good. That was creative and innovative, but that guy probably wasn't thinking about making a bunch of money when he did it. Putting money at the forefront of what you're doing with your writing is a guaranteed way to fuck it up. It's where these guys come in and go, let me tell you, it's where listicles come from, right? The endless listicles from people that are not writing for marketing companies. Look, as a copywriter, I've written some listicles, but they were for clients and they were what clients wanted. I got paid to do them. You get these people who write listicles on their spare time. Let me tell you the top 10 books for spiritual enlightenment if you are a left-handed underwater basket weaver. like, And they do that shit in their spare time because they think that will appeal to people and get the money. Like, here's the thing. I'm gonna, I, I, it's funny. I was watching a show with, with, with my partner the other day and, and she was laughing and, and we were watching Silicon Valley, um, the HBO show, which cracks me up. Um, it's a Mike Judge project. I just, I laugh. It's a great satire. And in it, there's a moment when the guys are trying to um, get the, they're trying to keep their servers running while this guy who who is removing a, a video camera from a, 
from a condor's nest has fallen and he he's drinking his own urine to survive waiting for the rescue and and their servers are maxing out because there's hundreds of thousands of people watching and they're doing it from a server they built in their garage like it's all crazy and everything's bursting in flame and one of the characters whose house they live in is talking about selling the house and uh he comes in and he's like you know do you know what this will do to the value and the business guy the, the, the MBA business guy, the analyst guy who does all the business shit for the company looks at him and goes, you're never going to sell. And he goes, what do you mean? You know how much money, how, how much this house is appreciated? He goes, well, that, that's just money. It doesn't mean anything. Right? There's no value in it. And then, you know, the guy responds, he goes, well, it's the very definition. It's what we define value by. And he looks in and he goes, no, look at this check on the wall. They have a big check. And he says, that check, you can't cash it. But the memories and the things that went into making it and the magic that happened in winning it, that's irreplaceable. So writing for money, I mean, yeah, you can do it as a business, but that's not writing for money. That's having a business where writing is part of the product that you sell. Right. If you're sitting down and you're an aspiring writer listening to me, or you're a veteran writer who's been doing this for a while, and you have like a poem or a novel or something in your head, and you want to write it, and you doubt, um, know two things. One, you're not alone. I even do it. The whole reason we're having the Big Harry Money episode is because I do it. I'm no different than you. We're all the same. We all doubt that what we're doing is ever going to make us money and should we keep doing it. But the other thing I want you to remember is that money, that money, that dream of that check for that novel, that bestseller status, that walking at the red carpet of your movie, all that stuff, all that money. Let's get away from even the fame aspect, just the money. It doesn't mean anything. Maybe that's a deeper philosophical point. Maybe that's the problem with the world is that the world has believed that money means more than it does. And so we get shitty to each other because it's all about money and how much of our money we can keep and the other guy wants my money and blah, 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 blah. Money doesn't mean anything. The joy you had in, in making the thing that you made, the story that you made, the catharsis you experienced, the work, the love, the passion, the sweat and tears you put into that fucking book, the story of how that book got made that no one will probably ever know except for you and whoever it is around your house who puts up with your shit. That's what matters. That's the treasure. That's the incredible part. Otherwise, it's just money. It doesn't have any value. Just think about that. And I kind of let these things go as we record these podcasts, and I think we've kind of hit the point. Just take a minute and think about, you know, why you write. And if the money really fucking matters. See, I think I'm to the point where I'm like, yeah, my business as a copywriter is a business. It's The money is a factor. But my novels, the lessons I put out for writers, the things like this that I do, I don't make much money off them because 
well, the money has no value compared to occasionally getting an email or a message from a writer who read something I wrote or heard one of these podcast episodes and was like, man, that really got me through. Thanks. That's what has value to me. The money is, is nifty, but I mean, at best, it's a sandwich once a month. And maybe we'd be better off if we worried more about that. I don't know. If I had those answers, I probably wouldn't be talking to you. So just ask yourself, does the value you put on money making from your art make it better? Does it make you happier? Does it make the work easier to do? Or does it just make everything a little bit worse? Maybe you should just focus on making something wonderful and uh, let the money shit sort itself out when the time comes. I mean, after all, as our good friend Jared Dunn on Silicon Valley said, that's just money. It has no value. Until next time, I'm Matt, just another working writer. You all take care of yourselves. I'll talk to you again next time. Thank you.